It's time to rock your midlife with Dr. Ellen Albertson. Are you ready to get real, break through, and learn how to make your midlife the best time of your life? Take on those life challenges and turn them into opportunities? Let's rock. Here's Dr. Ellen. Hey, everybody. Welcome Welcome to Rock Rock Your Midlife. Midlife. I'm Dr. Ellen, the Midlife Whisperer, and I am so excited to welcome you. If you are a new listener, thank you so much for tuning in. And if you're returning, thank you. Please leave me a review and let me know what you think about the show and the types of guests you'd like to hear. I would love to know your thoughts. And a big thank you. We have listeners in the U.S., Canada, Colombia, Japan, India, Germany, China, Guatemala, and the Ukraine. So there are a lot of midlifers out there who are tuning in. And today we have an amazing show that's really going to help you, if you're feeling out of sorts, strengthen the body, mind, and soul connection. You know, if you're struggling with your body and you feel like no matter what you do, you don't have any energy, you don't feel great, you're having trouble losing weight, perhaps your your mind is stuck in fear, you're experiencing some panickiness around what's going on in the world, it may be because you're not listening to your body managing your mind and feeding your soul. And this is such a common thing that I find with my clients and midlife women. You know, we're really, I know, and this is the issue I've had, we're so in our heads that we are really focusing on, we have three brains. We've got the our regular brain, our mind, we've got our gut, which is our kind of body brain, and we've got our heart, which is kind of our soul brain. And so many women that I meet at midlife are stuck in the mind, the brain. And, you know, that really impacts the body. And I know in my own life, I used to be so focused on dieting and weight loss and soul-crushing workouts, focusing on losing weight and having the perfect body. And I totally stopped listening to my body because what happens is when you're dieting, right? You're following a piece of paper. You stop listening to these natural signals of hunger and satiety. You know, when you're doing those soul crushing workouts and I've been an athlete my whole life, I would literally like push through the pain and not listen. And this really started even in my teens when I was um, a track and field athlete and really continued to do that. And thank God in my, you know, 50s and midlife, I've learned how to listen to my heart and my soul and really connect all three. And today's show is really going to help you tune into that wisdom. We have two amazing guests and they're going to share how you can really strengthen this body, mind, soul connection. We're gonna give you a lot of techniques, so you might want to grab a piece of paper to write some things down and just wanna share a simple exercise to help you kind of explore this connection for yourself. So go ahead and close your eyes if you're not driving and just take a couple of deep breaths. And check in with yourself. How are you feeling mentally? And how are you feeling emotionally? What's your heart telling you? What about your body? Notice any mental or physical tension or sensations. Just spend a moment tuning in. This is the the first step to making this connection. 
Now go ahead and open your eyes and notice how you feel. Just after this brief exercise, you might feel more relaxed or energized. You know, if so, you've just experienced the mind, body, soul connection. Congratulations. And you know why it might sound like woo, there is a ton of science behind the concepts of this, this connection. Taking care of your mind, body, and soul can really help you to find greater balance and well-being in all areas of your life. So just, just think about the last time you felt stressed, right? You probably felt physically ill. When you feel that stress, you feel it in your body. So there's that body-mind connection. And then conversely, remember the last time you felt or you saw something beautiful? You felt like you're having this spiritual experience. That too is the mind, body, soul connection. So they aren't distinct. We kind of put them in boxes, but really the body, mind, and soul are connected. And a holistic approach to well-being involves bringing these three aspects together into balance to create harmony and health. So let's look at each of these. First, again, there's the mind, and your mind corresponds to your brain, and that's thinking and both the conscious and unconscious thoughts you may have, and it's responsible for your beliefs, your thoughts, and your actions. Your body corresponds to this gut brain, and this is the physical aspect of yourself. It's like that vehicle that transports you through life and allows you to experience the world through your five senses. And then we get to your soul or your spirit, and that corresponds to your beautiful heart. And it's that intangible part of you that you may refer to as your essence. So when your mind is healthy, you feel clear. And conversely, when it is out of balance, you may experience some physical sickness, or you may experience you know, some mental issues such as depression or anxiety. And um, a healthy body, when your body is healthy, right? So when that gut brain is healthy, you experience strength and vitality and energy, and you're more able to face life's challenges. I know myself, I've been sharing a lot about my breast cancer treatment, and I have to say, because my body is in stellar shape, I have sailed through my surgery. I was doing my 10,000 steps the next day. Radiation has been a breeze. I have not experienced any um, ill effects at all so far because my physical health is so good. And if your physical health isn't so good, it's okay. We're going to share things that you can do today. Wherever you are, that's fine. Let's finally get into the soul. You know, when your soul is healthy, you experience positive emotions like joy and gratitude. You feel kindness and compassion towards yourself and others. And you feel a sense of purpose and you feel connected to something greater than yourself. So here's a few things you can do starting today. So again, maybe grab a piece of paper. Here are six or seven things you can do to strengthen this connection. One of my go-tos is absolutely meditation. So we know that meditation helps reduce that, reduce that stress. It helps you connect with your soul. It helps you experience what it's like to be in your body. And it helps you to learn how to let your thoughts come and go like clouds in the sky. So meditation is an amazing thing. You don't need a guru. You can just listen to some meditation podcasts or just follow your breathing for a few minutes a couple of times a day. 
Another great thing to do is learn something new. And what that does is it creates new neural connections in your brain. There's something called neuroplasticity. You create these great new neural connections. It helps strengthen your mental capacity, your mental brain. Sleep, quality and quantity, so important. Difficult in midlife, always to do, but it impacts everything from your mood to your metabolism. Here's one I love, finding your passion. You know, having that sense of purpose, whether that's your career or a hobby, something that makes you wanna just get up in the morning, that gets you excited about your life and lights you up. Number five is taking time off to recharge. And this is one that I'm learning of really, I've been a bit of a workaholic and I'm learning because of my diagnosis that I really need to relax more, breathe, recharge. Um, and two final ones that are so interesting. First, there's eating right. There's this whole new amazing area called psychonutrition or nutritional psychology, where they're starting to understand this brain literal gut connection. So you've got in your body something called your microbiome, which is more cells than in your entire body, trillions and trillions of cells. And when your microbiome is healthy, you are, your mind is healthier. So there's a lot of interesting things that you can do to feed your gut, which will help your brain and your spirit. It really all starts with a, a plant-based whole food diet. And then finally is exercise. And we're gonna talk a lot about exercise in the next 20 minutes or so. It is essential for a healthy body. If we could put exercise in a pill and sell it, People would have a lot less health issues, but fortunately we all can do it. It's as simple as walking. Exercise is great for your body. It elevates your mood. It reduces stress and it helps maintain your brain health. There's so much research around the connection between exercise and things like dementia and depression. The more you move your body, really the healthier it is for your brain because you're oxygenating your brain and giving it what it needs. So the next time you feel overwhelmed, and this is something that I do because I've been getting a little overwhelmed sometimes trying to figure out all my uh, treatment decisions and navigating this breast cancer healing journey, go for a walk, do some yoga. But you know, if you're struggling with making exercise a regular habit, you really wanna to listen to my next guests. I'm so excited to introduce you to, if you haven't heard of it, the optimal.me, that's the optimal.me. They are a proud sponsor of Rock Your Midlife. The optimal.me is a membership website for the midlifer who wants to feel younger, stay active, independent and energetic without pain or injury, and feel confident in this phase of life, which is the best yet. You know, I've been loving their integrative movement classes, which are helping me improve my stability, my mobility, my flexibility and strength and manage my stress. And you can check them out for yourself at theoptimal.me. And the first 30 days are free. They've got a great course that will analyze where you're at, wherever you're at. If you're a couch potato, you haven't exercised in years, or if you are a triathlete, there is something there for you. And today we're going to be talking with Liz Grantham, and she is the creator of the optimal.me. Liz has over 30 years experience in marketing and advertising, providing innovative, integrated, thoughtful solutions for multiple Fortune 500 clients. Her love of a challenge and making Big things happen, happen together with the need to manage the stress that comes along with running a business. 
led her on the journey to what has become the optimal.me. The combination of hard work, experience, and endless curiosity together with the need to not only survive, but thrive as she gets older led her to create the optimal.me. For Liz, the joy of finding long-term solutions to feel better and be excited about what's ahead is something worth sharing. So that's exactly what she's done. Welcome to Rock Your Midlife, Liz. So good to see you today. Hi, and thanks so much. That's quite an introduction. <laughs> well, you're an amazing woman. I mean, it, it does take a lot to create it. It is a gorgeous site, so easy to navigate. I actually plug it into, I put it on my laptop. I plug yeah. it into my television. I put my mat out and I've been enjoying it. I've been exercising my whole life, but I have to say, there's some things that I ignore. You know, I ignore some mm. of those um, stability, flexibility. I'm kind of like cardio and strength training. Yeah. If I get to yoga or if I get to those integrative movement things, that's good. But I'm actually finding nice ways to fit it in my day. So thank you for creating it. So let's dig right in. I, I know we're going to talk about listening to your body. So first of all, what does that mean? What does it actually mean to listen to your body? So, Ilan, I love what you said earlier about how we're so busy. Um, generally, we and we're very focused on cardio and we're very focused on calories. And, and generally, we grow, you know, we, we get older thinking about those things. That listening to your body is seen by most people as a woo-woo, as you were saying, kind of a concept. What do you mean, listen to my body? And it is such an interesting thing once you just take a breather and check in with yourself. And most people go, how do you do that? And I think a good way if you've never done it before would be, you know, almost like people do in yoga or if you're going to do an exercise like Feldenkrais or you're going to meditate is to actually lie on the floor flat on your back where you're being supported by the floor. So you don't have to worry about falling over or losing your balance or slumping in your chair. And you literally can lie flat on your back and start doing some beautiful deep breathing slowly and start with your big toe on your right foot and literally breathe and think about your toe and then your foot and the arch of your foot and your ankle and literally body scan all the way up the right side of your body, you know, then then on the left, all the way back to that toe, literally focusing on every joint and every muscle as you go and just giving yourself some time to be a bit curious about how you feel. And I think once you do that once or twice or three times, it will become interesting to anybody who then is doing any kind of mindfulness work to often do a quick body scan. It doesn't need to take long. I mean, obviously that sounds like, oh my word, who can do that for 15 minutes. But as you do it, the thing that gets interesting is if you check in with your body, you know, when you're having a walk, you might see, oh, my goodness, my right calf feels a bit more stiff than my left calf. Oh, wow. When I walk, I actually tread harder on my left foot than I do on my right. Oh, my goodness. I feel like I'm walking and my right shoulder is higher than the other. Or when you look in the mirror, you might notice that, you know, your right shoulder is closer to your ear than your left shoulder. And as you start noticing things about your body and you're paying attention to it, you're also going to realize where you have twinges of pain or where something feels good because it's not all about feeling bad, right? Part of it is about going, oh my word, actually that shoulder was sore, but today it's feeling fantastic. It's smooth and I've got mobility and I can move without it kind of jarring along the way. 
And the same thing happens with when you're not feeling great, whether you have a headache, a stiff neck, um, you know, whether you're slouching. The minute you start learning to check in with yourself, even if it's quickly while you're waiting for, you know, something to cook on the stove or whilst you're walking, you start learning about your body. And once you start paying attention to your body and how things are feeling and giving yourself permission and the time to do that, it actually has the most incredible impact on how you're able to change how you feel. So listening to your body is an incredibly, it's a real gift to yourself, I think. It's something that until you start doing it regularly, you think it's nonsense. And then the the kind of awakening you have when you start realizing, oh, that's slightly different. And then looking for solutions to that is amazing. It is. That is such incredible advice to get used to just checking in. And I find too, if I'm feeling some pain or as you said, a lot of times there's an imbalance. My left side tends to be shorter and tighter than my right. Then you can both do exercises to try to bring yourself back in balance as well as notice, okay, what am I doing differently? Like maybe I'm sleeping wrong or, you know, maybe I need to put a lift in my shoes or I need to, you know, do something differently in my life. So it's super yeah. important. Or you always cross your legs one way. I mean, I think women cross their legs when they sit, right? It is something that most of us develop as a habit when we were young. We don't necessarily all do what they taught at deportment school and cross our legs at our ankles, but we always do it the same way around. So generally we will always favor one side of our body that's kind of stronger or better developed than the other. And we're totally unaware of it. And the minute you start thinking about things, and it can be quite fun, you know, I think that that's a lot of the time we think all of this is just too much. But just doing something as silly as putting a tennis, if you know you're a leg crosser when you sit, you sit on your sofa at night or in your office chair, have a tennis ball to hand and sit down and put a tennis ball between your knees. It, it won't last for 30 seconds because you'll cross, oh my goodness, I'm crossing my legs again. Let me straighten out because actually I'm shortening one side and I'm creating ache in my one hip, etc. So I think listening to your body also can be a playful thing to do as opposed to this very serious, another chore. Um, and I think that is, that is partly what listening to one's body should be about, is about just checking in. You know, it shouldn't become like another thing on a checklist. Well, I think once you start to make it a habit of checking in mm -hmm. and you start to understand that it's actually a positive thing, it gets more automatic. And the other thing I love to mm -hmm. do with checking my body is also just pleasure, right? We're talking about aches and pains, but mm -hmm. lately I have been working more on connecting with my five senses and my body and not so much being in my head all the time, but noticing, you know, when you're eating, what is this, if I'm having a piece of chocolate or a strawberry, what is that? feeling like becoming, you know, as that nutrition goes into my body, or if I make a gorgeous salad, I can feel my body cells saying, thank you. Or, yeah. you know, going for a walk, I love to walk barefoot, like feeling the grass under my feet and listening to the birds and feeling the wind on my skin. So I think we, we are, you know, we live from the neck up. I wonder if you have ideas, why do we live so much from the neck up and not have an embodied experience when we are, you know, embodied beings? Mm -hmm. 
Well, I think we're taught that from when we're young, right? To just be, you know, we've got to get things done. And I think women potentially have so much responsibility. And, I, and I'm not trying to be funny. I know men, men have different responsibilities than, than we do. So they also live in their heads, I think, you know, and, and often are less connected to their emotions than women are. But, but I think the fact of the matter is that we don't give ourselves permission to pay attention to ourselves and um, because we need to be taking care of everybody else, our children, our parents, you know, nurturing our friends in the workplace, et cetera. And I think it almost feels like um, we're being a little bit self-indulgent. And certainly, you know, I think our mom's generations would have thought we were totally self-indulgent to be like, you know, they lived through a wall, you know, people are doing that now you know, surviving is actually really important. So to sit there and be checking in about how the wind feels in your hair or et cetera, just I think for them, you know, I think we grew up thinking like, honestly, you really need to be being useful. Um, and if you're not fixing or doing something or being productive, you're being lazy potentially, or you're dreaming or you're wasting time. And I think that that very much is partly a generational thing. But I also think, you said something earlier that, that made me think about it. And you were like, you've always loved to exercise and we need to exercise. I think a lot of things we think about with our bodies is because many people actually hate exercise. They loathe exercise. The thought of exercise is punishment. It's something you have to do. Um, it's not joyful. Um, exercise should be painful. And, you know, if there's no, you know, no pain, no gain. And I think our optimal philosophy and certainly what changed my whole attitude towards moving and being healthier and checking in with my body was going, I don't exercise, I do movement. And the minute that I went, okay, this isn't about having to exercise and having to get to a gym and whatever, and taking a very different view on movement should be pleasurable as opposed to painful. And when I move, I'm actually, I can have fun. I don't, it, it doesn't need to be a chore. It can be something that gives me joy as opposed to something that I do because I have to, because I'm a good girl and I'm disciplined and I know I need to, and I know it's good for me, so I'm going to go and do it. I, there are a lot of people who are very good at that and that's the way they can operate. But I think there are also a lot of people who find that really, it is, it is a chore. So, if one can change your outlook and your attitude towards exercise versus movement, we all move. We all move in different ways. We all walk, we get up, we get down, et cetera. But if we can add more movement and actually more movement that makes us happy or gives us joy or pleasure, I think that we can work far easier to a place where we can be moving. We can be listening to our bodies. We can be checking in with ourselves more often as something that we do with joy as opposed to as a chore. And I think potentially that's part of why we don't do it because it is often just, you know, has been seen as a bit of a chore. Yeah. And I think even it starts in elementary school, right? Like, mm -hmm. I mean, we, people, some people look forward to gym, but then people have bad experiences mm -hmm. of not getting picked for the team or the gym teacher yelling at mm -hmm. them or things not being good enough. And I love too what you said about, the pleasure piece and listening to your body feeling like it's self-indulgent or even feeling like going to that yoga class or that mm -hmm. dance class or taking time for yourself. But if you're listening, 
it's not self-indulgent, it's self-preservation. You are doing your family a favor by taking care of yourself. And I think one of the biggest benefits of, of moving your body every day is you have so much more energy. You sleep better, you're healthier, you're gonna be around for your kids, your grandkids, your, your friends. So it's not at all being self-indulgent. It's really about taking care of yourself and so that you can be more effective and be happier. So we kind of need to need to get away from this idea of, I think, self-indulgence around movement. And also, and also this whole idea, that's the way, you know, I used to look at exercise when I was a personal fitness trainer, my clients came to me and they wanted to be beat up. Everyone wanted to not be, if, if they couldn't walk the next day, then I did my job. And we, and in particularly at midlife where your body doesn't repair as quickly, um, you know, you have to be much more careful with joints and things like that. We've got to get away from this, you know, no pain, no gain. This, I'm not going to, I know a lot of people love their CrossFit and I know people who are like marathoners, but I don't do that to my body anymore. I find my body is fine with, you know, yoga. I do some strength training and lots mm -hmm. of, I love to walk, mm -hmm. bike, and and I, kayak. I think the other thing to sort of really change things. You were, you were talking also earlier about how there's so much science all the time that proves that these things are, that, you know, these things are important. And if you start thinking about the fact that, you know, movement is medicine, food is medicine, mindfulness is medicine. I think number one, we all know what healthcare costs and it actually is a topic of conversation that makes a lot of people, especially in America, quite beside themselves. You know, often I'm on calls with colleagues and the first thing is like, but what healthcare cover have you got? And are you going to get this and that? Because it is a, you know, it economically is a huge issue. So if you can start thinking about things you can do that cost you nothing, that actually are taking care of yourself, you know, like movement is medicine. If you are moving well and more often, it is medicine. Um, and it doesn't, it mustn't be sore. You mustn't be doing things that are hurting you. You need to be doing things that actually make you feel good because then all of your, you know, your, your um, endorphins are released. You know, you have dopamine flooding your system, et cetera. If you are dancing to a song you like, if you include a sensory element to moving and how you move, it's like you were talking about standing on the grass, feeling, you know, sea sand under your feet, feeling the wind in your hair. If you know that you love um, to take, you know, to beautiful smells and you're burning a candle and you're putting on music and you're actually having a nice dance around your kitchen or your bedroom, etc. You feel great afterwards. You know, you actually, you don't need to have done that exercise thing. And you've given yourself all of the medicine you need for that next few hours. And if you do that regularly through your day, I think that's the other, that's the other part of listening to your body. It's like really understanding when you start feeling a bit stiff or a bit headachey or whatever, that moving is key. Just like food is key. You're talking about, you know, your microbiome and, and kind of being healthy and how your body celebrates when you're giving it healthy, great food. Food is medicine. What you eat actually can make sure that you're not having to take medicine in the long term. And it's the same with taking, you know, being mindful. And I think when you are listening to your body, whether it's listening to your, how your gut's feeling, how you feel when you move, um, you are then really, you, you're doing what you should. You're being respectful of yourself. You know, you're actually being respectful of the people you love. You're being, and you're teaching everybody else that actually that's the right way to be in the world, right? To listen, because 
if you weren't listening to your body, potentially, you wouldn't have gone and taken yourself, you know, even if it was just, you know, it's time for me to go and have certain checkups or, you know, whatever it is. If we ignore our bodies, we actually are really setting ourselves up for not great outcomes um, when it's too late to potentially deal with things um, or, or pain has become so chronic or whatever that is. You know, we go, oh, you know, as we get older, we, of course, we have aches and pains. I mean, you can't not have them. That's part of getting older. It actually isn't, you know, it, it truly isn't. If you're making movement your medicine, um, you don't have to have aches and pains. If you're listening to your body, you will always go, okay, I'm not, not in balance now. So maybe I need to go and see the physio or maybe I need to go and do an optimal workout because actually it's going to be a full body workout and I'm going to rebalance myself because I'm going to feel which hip is tighter or if I've got a sore shoulder and I'm going to really work through that, not to hurt myself, but to kind of come back into balance. And I'm going to feel much better and I didn't need to take a tablet. Yeah, absolutely. Because the tablets don't work, you know, they work for a, a short period, but then of course you're, you're talking about stressing mm. things like your liver and there is really no, nothing but benefits. So just to, if you're mm. thinking about starting an exercise program, I encourage you to check out the optimal.me and also, you know, link it to something fun. So I love to, you know, I'm all into gardening these days. That's amazing exercise. Sometimes when I go for a walk, I'll go with a friend or listen to a book on tape. But I think the bottom line is start to listen. And particularly your single, you know, in terms of eating, sing, signals of hunger and satiety in terms of when you're sitting at your desk, when your body's telling you in time to stand up, take a walk around the office. And what I love about your site too, is you have on the optimal.me, like five minutes, you can do it while you're making coffee. You can do it while you're waiting. You can actually even do some of the exercises once you learn them while you're on a phone call. So, so much you can do. Liz, thank you so much. I know you're gonna be with us next mm. month. Um, if you want to check out the optimal.me, I encourage you, your first 30 days are absolutely free. It's the optimal.me. That's the optimal.me. It's an amazing site. Regardless of where you are at, if you want to learn to listen to your body, do functional movement, get your joints in, in shape and strength um, where it should be in mobility, check it out. Thank you again, Liz. I'll see you in July. Thanks, Ellen. Great. Stay well. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, you're listening to Rock Your Midlife. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to get in touch with me, just go to themidlifewhisperer.com. That's themidlifewhisperer.com. After the break, we are going to share what you can do to improve your mental health and deal with midlife depression. See you in a few moments. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Midlife can be challenging. You may be sandwiched between growing kids and aging parents, dealing with menopause and trying to find work-life balance. Or maybe your life looks good on the outside, but inside you're feeling stressed and overwhelmed and wondering how to get your confidence and joy back. You need someone to help you get real, discover who you are, and navigate life. Hi, I'm Dr. Ellen, the Midlife Whisperer, and I'm here to help. I've worked with hundreds of midlife women, went from surviving to thriving at midlife myself, and literally wrote the book on this pivotal time period, Rock Your Midlife, Seven Steps to Transform Yourself and Make Your Next Chapter Your Best Chapter. 
Think of me as the one-stop shop for all your midlife needs. I'm a psychologist, nutritionist, and board-certified health and wellness coach with 30 years of experience empowering midlife women. I provide nutrition consults, life coaching, and free resources to help you transform your body, your mind, your career, and your relationships. Feeling stuck? I can help you figure out how to live authentically with joy, passion, and purpose. Every Wednesday here on Voice America, live from 2 to 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I share my passion for making the most of midlife and my expertise on the most pressing midlife issues from changing family relationships, managing stress, and securing enough resources to rediscovering yourself. I also interview experts from around the world to help you navigate your life. For more information, please visit my website, themidlifewhisper.com, for fabulous resources, including my free gift, 10 Tips to Rock Your Midlife. That's themidlifewhisper.com. Hope to see you there soon. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. You are listening to Rock Your Midlife with Dr. Ellen, the Midlife Whisperer. Have a question for Dr. Ellen or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5788. That's 866-472-5788. Now back to the show. Here again is Dr. Ellen, the Midlife Whisperer. Hey, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. It's Dr. Ellen, the Midlife Whisperer. I am so glad that you are here. I hope you enjoyed the first half of your show. We're going to switch gears a little bit here, and we're going to talk about midlife depression. Actually, women at midlife have the highest risk of depression for any group according to age and gender. It's like one in eight. So it's a really important topic to discuss, and there's so many reasons that midlife women are struggling with this, and we're really going to get in into it. We have a very courageous next guest who has shared her story through her amazing book, and she is going to share what she actually did to heal herself. She's a licensed clinical social worker. Her name is Caitlin Billings, and she specializes in deep trauma therapy, and she's pursuing an EMDR therapy certification. I've had EMDR. It's amazing if you are experiencing trauma in your life. It really can help. And she owns her own private practice. Despite involuntary hospitalizations and an initial refusal to accept her bipolar diagnosis, Caitlin reclaimed her life and sanity successfully, establishing herself as a professional and a supportive mother to her gender-fluid elder child. Now she aims to subvert societal expectations and pressures of idolism through embracing self-love and in perfection. Welcome to Rock Your Midlife, Caitlin. So awesome to have you here today. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. And thank you again for sharing your story. I've you know shared some of my story in my book, Rock Your Midlife, but not quite as um, transparent. So for those of uh, our listeners who aren't familiar with your story, might want to read your book, can you give us a little synopsis of what actually happened to you? Sure, absolutely. So um, I had some significant traumas in my early life. Um, and by the time I reached 
my mid twenties, I really felt like I had overcome quite a bit. I had some depression. I struggled with body image issues, um, a, an unwanted sexual encounter, and actually through movement, um, dance, I, I really um, at that time felt like I had reclaimed my sanity. <laughs> and then um, in my early thirties, I was held up at gunpoint, um, which really created a cascade of um, uh, experiences that led to involuntary hospitalization, that led to a bipolar diagnosis. And I can get in more into how that all happened. Um, and really it was 10 years of struggle and struggle to um, have radical acceptance about um, what was happening in my life, in my family. There was a lot going on in my family at the time as a professional, because I was for the most part working full time throughout this process. Um, I got licensed during this process. So just so much happened. Um, and ultimately I'm just here. I don't know what the future brings and I know what has helped me. Um, healing is like an ongoing project <laughs> for, for I think all of us. Yeah, um, absolutely. And so I, I wouldn't even say that I've quote unquote healed myself. I think I'm just, I'm in the process of that. And like every day is a new discovery and I learn so much from my clients and from my colleagues and um, hopefully my readers. Yeah, I love um, how transparent and vulnerable you are. It's such a strength. You know, Brene Brown always talks about the connection that happens when you can open up and you can share and say, yeah, yeah, I've been through hell. So I've been in the pit and I know how to get you out of that. And I love what you said, too. And that's you know, what I'm experiencing with my breast cancer journey, which is physiological, mental, it's all the brains, right? It's gut, it's it's my brain, my mental health, and it's my soul, but we're always healing because healing isn't about curing. It's not like a one and you're done. It's really about a journey towards more and more wholeness. I feel like midlife is like such the time to kind of open that Pandora's box and say, you know what, I've been, I've been doing business as usual. I've been ignoring things in my life. I know that was my story of trying to show on the outside, like, my life is perfect. My life is great. But inside, like feeling so much like I was absolutely crumbling. So let's talk about why is it so important to talk about women's mental health care at midlife? Well, there's so many pressures on women, I mean, throughout the life cycle, right? Um, but midlife brings new added pressure. Many, many women are mothers. And many women have parents who are living. And it's, it's, it's a time where there's this sort of sandwich between raising children and caring for aging parents if, if your parents are still living or have a parent who is still living, um, which is so much pressure. Like not only are you caring for your kids, you're caring for your parents. There's also societal pressure on women to uh, be perfect, make everybody happy, keep it all together, stay organized. And um, if you are struggling with your mental health simultaneously, or if you, you know, kind of made it through your thirties and you're doing well, and then these pressures really start mounting, if you've got teenagers, <laughs> for example, um, it, it, it's, it's really, um, it's really challenging. And if, if, 
you're not able to be present or be able to kind of accept reality, which is so hard for all of us. Especially these days. <laughs> yes. It, it's it's really, um, it could send somebody spiraling into depression, anxiety, you know, we're already going through hormonal changes in midlife and then the insomnia that can come with that. You're already kind of having trouble sleeping because of night sweats or, you know, whatever it is. And then now you're worrying on top of that. So it's just so important. I, I have, I've really discovered now that I'm in perimenopause and have an adult child, um, aging parents that I, we don't talk about this. We like we talk about childbearing years and we talk about kind of, you know, aging and what that means for for elders in our society. But it's like this midlife place where like I didn't really understand what perimenopause meant until now I'm here. And it's like, oh, OK, <laughs> why are, what, what happened? Why, are, why don't I know more about this? So so I think mental health is crucial, crucial. And I, I feel really fortunate that. I did um, embark on this mental health journey of, of embarking my own healing um, in my 30s because I do feel um, more stable than maybe I would have if I hadn't embraced my imperfection, hadn't embraced the fact that, yeah, I'm a mental health therapist, but that doesn't mean I'm really any different from my clients, except, you know, I, I went to school and I studied this stuff. But ultimately, you know, we're all people. Um, we're all women and midlife is kind of nutty. Yeah, the pressure is tremendous. And fortunately, we are talking about it. We're talking about it now. And there's, yeah. I'm just amazed at the number of podcasts talking about menopause and midlife and celebrities, particularly, you know, the Gen Xers are getting out there and saying, whoa, pay attention to this. And there are, you know, more options and, and hopefully we're studying it as well. And if you're listening to, it, I want to say that, you know, there's no shame in getting help. I know when I stepped into that psychiatrist's office in my forties, so I experienced depression as well. And I finally was like, you know, I thought, oh my God, I have to hold it all together and I got to be perfect. And I finally was like, I just can't do this anymore. And I went and I made the appointment and he's like, you've got depression. And he like whipped out his pad and he wrote me a prescription, which was good. It got me over the hump. And then, you know, we'll talk about some holistic things. And then I worked on other things. I got therapy, you know, cleaned up other um, lifestyle things in my life. And it's ongoing. I'm, I'm happy to say, particularly because I learned self-compassion and studied that um, I don't have depression anymore. And my mental health is, is really excellent and it's helping me weather my challenge. So let's talk about managing your mental health. So besides women saying, you know what? Yeah, it's time for me to talk to my doctor, to talk to a therapist, maybe to talk to a psychiatrist and really figure out what's going on. What's your experience of managing mental health? Sure. Um, well, I, I don't wanna be like, piggybacking on your last guest, but I'm, I'm going to a little bit. Um, so the first thing that comes to mind, I think is something you said earlier, which is the five senses. And the five senses can be so crucial to integrating our body and our mind and our spirit, um, as we, you know, you were discussing earlier. And, and that's all part of managing mental health. 
So if we're checked out or we're dissociated or we're, you know, only in, in our mind, not in the rest of ourselves, um, it's, it's really easy to lose track of our mental health, even though we're like, oh, I'm in my mind. I'm intellectualizing everything. I understand why this is happening, but, but the rest of me doesn't. And, and that's really important to understand. So um, really, really simple technique is to think of the five senses and then identify five, five items or five experiences for each sense that you can call upon very easily. So for example, I have items around my desk area where I do a lot of my um, virtual work that correspond with my five senses. Um, I can give you examples of those if you want. Yeah, yeah. I, keep, I keep essential oils on my desk to do the same. And certainly, yeah, what, what do you have around you to help you sure. facilitate that? Yeah, so I have, I have, um, it's, it's like a, it's like a saying. Um, I bought it in New Orleans on a whim and I'm so glad I did. Um, it says, be fearless in your pursuit of what sets your soul on fire. So if I'm struggling or I'm like feeling like a failure or I'm like, why am I doing what I'm doing? Why, why did I write such a vulnerable book and put it out in the world? What was I thinking? I can look at that and be reminded. It's a visual sense. It's a visual cue for me to check into my spirit. Next would be, um, I'm just looking around. So I have a plant here. Um, it's beautiful. It's in a, it's in like a blue um, vase and it's alive and growing and I can actually reach out and touch it. So I'm literally touching something living. So I'm using my, my, my touch sense. I have a candle for my sense of smell. It's called rounded honey and sandalwood. I love it. Um, I often drink tea at, at my desk. So that's my sense of taste. I like to play kind of um, mellow, secular Buddhist style chants. So I'll do that for my own groundedness, for my, my sense of hearing. And then touch, um, like I said, my plant. Sometimes in the winter, I'll have like a cozy wrap that just makes me feel secure. So these are all super simple things. You can carry them in a handbag or you can have stuff in your car. Um, it doesn't have to be, uh, you know, really elaborate. Yeah, it's a fabulous grounding practice. And I think that's, you know, we're, we understand now, I mean, there's that one amazing book called The Body Keeps Score, that yes. we're realizing that emotions are felt experiences in the body. Like for me on Monday, I was, you know, overwhelmed with all of these decisions around my breast cancer healing. And I was just, I could feel this in my body, you know, I could just feel this, the cortisol levels were through the roof. And so I just was like, I got to take my shoes off and go outside and just, I pull weeds. That's like my favorite thing to do these <laughs> days is just like, get my hands in the soil, smell the flowers and the dill that's growing there and listen to the birds and the bees that are humming. And we've, you know, that it also, you know, I saw this hummingbird go by. Hummingbirds have this amazing sound. So if you're listening, do this technique. It really works. It brings you into the present moment. And there's so much research that shows that we've got this default mode network that runs down the middle of our brain that's constantly scanning our environment for what's wrong with us, self-definition. Then we've got the amygdala, which is the fear brain. When you do what Caitlin's talking about, you experience you know, sight, sound, smell, taste, and touch, you're in your body. And you remind yourself, I'm safe. I'm okay. It's going to be all right. So that's really a powerful technique. 
Can you offer one more, one or two more techniques, maybe journaling or meditation, something if, if someone is struggling with managing their mental health, what can they do? Yes. So journaling is a great, um, a great example of if someone loves to write or, or, or thinks about writing, <laughs> even if it's just, um, sorry, that's okay. On. <laughs> um, if it, you know, if you want to be a writer or if, if you just want to write to like get in touch with yourself, I like to expand that to say, do something that expresses your emotion. So it might be writing, but it also might be knitting. It might be um, making music. Maybe there's an instrument you used to play and, and, you know, picking it up. That's actually using both sides of the brain, right? Which is something we use in EMDR um, to, to heal trauma. So it's, it's yes, journaling. And if journaling is not your thing, think about what's something you can do with your hands, something you can touch, um, something you can look at that's really beautiful or inspiring. Like if you're an artist and you, you know, you want to paint or you take photographs, um, it, it really can be anything. I love so, the instrument piece myself. Yes. I am, I'm picking up, I picked up the ukulele and I have to say, when I play the ukulele, my mind just, I can't think about anything else. And I have this wonderful app called Musician. And so it's kind of like a, it's like a video game where it gives me points when I get the, the notes right. And it's just, it's fun. I think that's a piece too, is having fun doing yeah. those things you enjoyed as a kid. If you have kids, particularly younger kids going out, you know, playing games, running around jungle gym, having fun, being a kid is so, so healing. So I want to get into this idea of radical acceptance. You yeah. say that it's really the most important skill or knowledge for women who are struggling with their mental health. What is it and how do we practice it? Yeah, so it is definitely a practice. Um, sometimes when I introduce the concept to clients and I explain that it is coming into the moment and accepting things that we don't necessarily want to accept or things that are really difficult or challenging or hard or have broken our heart or, you know, whatever it is, they're like, what are you talking about? Like, I, that's the whole reason I'm here. I can't accept it. Like, tell me something different. Tell me to get over it. It's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> we have to accept it. And, and that doesn't mean accepting means like, oh, um, I accept it and therefore I condone it. That's not it at all. What it is, is by radically accepting something, you're accepting it with your heart, mind, spirit, body. You are just surrendering to the fact that, yeah, your, your heart broke when whatever it was happened. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's like what Carl Rogers says, when I accept myself, then I can change. And I exactly. do that so much with my clients instead of fighting it. It's like, what we resist persists. But when we can accept, you know, again, I'll use my example of breast cancer, when I can accept like, okay, initially it was like, oh my God, why is this happening to me? I'm the healthiest person I know. I can't believe this. And that's like, okay, it's happening. I'm accepting it. And let's also, I find it's, you know, after acceptance, once you do that, then you can look for the opportunity. And, yes. you know, this has been a great opportunity, like your opportunity, like once you could accept your mental health and work on it, there's this opportunity to help other people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And, and the thing about um, acceptance too is, um, oh, just lost it. That's okay. It'll come back. Yeah, that's okay. So I love that. So like just accepting accept that, right? So we can talk, but it's important in midlife because 
you're constantly, life is constantly changing, right? You're, you're experiencing emptiness, mate. You're experiencing loss of, I think most of us have lost parents, loved ones, aunts, uncles. There's all the societal pressure to look and be a certain way. Um, and, you know, it's so important that we accept what's going on and accepting the whole perimenopausal thing. It's not like you can just say, I don't like this. I'm not going to accept it. It's not going to go away. And if you fight it, that's where your energy is going to go as opposed to acceptance. And what I find, which is so interesting, is that the, the fear in my mind is so much worse than the actual thing. Look, I was dreading radiation. And I have to say, I'm, for me, it's kind of been like a spy experience. I, I lie on a table. I, you know, I have to breathe in a certain way. Everybody's super nice. It takes like 10 minutes. And it's kind of like my moment of zen in the day. And it's turned out to be kind of a, a rather pleasant experience. Um, everyone has just been super compassionate and nice. I feel cared for. So, so often, you know, we're resisting, we're in fear, we're thinking the worst. And when we can accept it and just be like, okay, I'm just, I'm just going to take what's in front of me today. We can really come out the other side. So I want to talk a little bit about your, your book. I'm sorry, the title again is, so people can grab it. It's called In Our Blood. It's actually not out until July 12th. It okay. is available for pre-order on, on many different um, online. And it's intense, stores. but it's great. It's a, it's a really it intense. I, I, and I, so I just, first of all, commend you. And I want to talk really quickly because we both share LGBTQ children, our eldest. And so what was that experience like, you know, both sharing it and also when your kid started to come out and how did you support them as a parent? What advice can you give other midlifers who are listening and saying, oh my God, my, my kid is LGBTQ. I'm not mm -hmm. sure what to do. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, I think that uh, radical acceptance mm -hmm. would be a good place to start. And, and, you know, um, supporting your child while simultaneously understanding that you are going to go through your own transition process, whatever your child's looks like, you're going to be having your own experiences and it's okay. It's absolutely okay for you to have the feelings that you're feeling. You don't want to share them necessarily with your child if, if they're going to be harmful in any way. But find support, find a community. There are other parents out there who completely understand because even though you may be the most um, open LGBTQ affirming person on the planet, and this is a person that a child that you've raised and you've known them one way their whole life. And so it can be challenging and painful. Um, it can also be a time for celebration because they're getting to come out and say like, this is who I really am. And it's a time to tell them, you know what, you matter, you're worth it, I love you, you're amazing, you're incredible, you're so brave and strong and creative, and you know, just like really fill them up because it is a time of celebration. Yeah, and we're all mirrors, so I love that you are so creative and you are um, so strong and powerful and vulnerable, Caitlin. So it's been so good to talk with you today. I really appreciate you sharing your soul, both in the book and here. And I want to say, you know, having both a queer child and sister, so I have a transgendered sister, what I realized is, you know, sort of wrapping it up into soul, they're still the same person. Yes. And you still love them unconditionally. Whatever gender fluidity they want to experience, they're still the person. You can still love them. So thank you so much for sharing. Do check out Caitlin's book. It comes out July 12th. And the name again, Caitlin? 
In our blood. In our blood. Thank you all so much for listening. If you've liked today's show, please leave a review and let me know what you think. It's on all your favorite podcast platforms. And if you want to get in touch with me, it's themidlifewhisper.com. That's themidlifewhisper.com. We'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening. Thanks for listening to Rock Your Midlife. We hope this episode has helped you get real, discover who you are, and get the tools to navigate your life. Until we talk again, have a fantastic week and go rock your midlife.